We met on the gram, became instant BFFs, and we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexo Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not, Not Your, Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives. We talk guns, personal safety, share lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vav because you, you can, can sit with, with us. episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. Amy, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? Doing good. We want to thank you guys as always for listening, subscribing, supporting the show, leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google, <laughs> all the, pl- all the places. All the places. And we also uh, want to send a very special shout out to our friend Jira, who... Jira, you're a doll. For thank buying you. us a glass of love. Cheers to Cheers you. Cheers to you. Thank you, Jarrah. Thank you. We really love it that you guys support our show. It truly means a lot. And whether you are um, buying us coffee or buying a glass of love or leaving those reviews, it really does help us out a lot. Um, And then also, if you're on social, on Instagram, and you're listening to this episode, share this episode. We want to see who's listening to today's episode. Speaking of today's episode, we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Christina Ryan. She's a friend of ours, and she has found confidence through her trauma from a very, very special friend, which I know when I first heard this story talking to her, it, it really impacted me, and I know you guys are going to love it. It is, it is such a great, great inspiring story, and I hope that you guys are able to get some useful information out of it and can come away with it with just a newfound appreciation for our friendly furry service canines. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear it. All right, let's All get right. into it. I'm so excited for today's guest because she is another transplant to the great state of Texas. Keep them coming. I mean, just the good ones. Keep, keep them coming. Just, we keep just reeling them in. <laughs> we just want more and more people. I think in this year, there's been Christina, Brie. We're working on Crystal. Working on Crystal. So it's it's... Where'd you move here from? I moved, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Ah. So I've lived in Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Washington, Oregon, and now Texas. What brought you to Texas? Opportunities. Awesome. I love that. So Christina, you have uh, quite a story that I want to get to and share, but I also want to talk about a little bit about how you kind of got into the opportunities of you bringing to Texas, being in the firearms industry and like where that, how did you even get like into the firearms industry. Um, well, I was because right. that's how we met. We met. Yeah, we met. We, we met through Instagram, Instagram. and you yeah. know the the great social media. Yes. Um, so I was raised in Pennsylvania. I have two younger brothers and all boy cousins, and there's not a lot to do in Central PA. So we were raised, you know, hunting, going to church, being in the farm field, going out in the woods, that kind of thing. So my dad obviously put a gun in our hand. He said, "You're going to learn a discipline. You're going to learn a responsibility." And so we started with like little 22s and stuff. And then it wasn't until I was about seven, seven or eight, we started going out scouting with them for deer season and stuff. And um, I got my first rifle when I turned 12. That's the legal hunting age to go with a, an adult um, and bear firearm. So I got um, a Hawa, which is not his own <laughs> legacy. And it was a little 243. He had it cut down for me because I'm super petite. So that gun still fits me. I love that thing. Um, I love that you still have it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, you never get rid of your yeah, first gun. Yeah, I was about gun. to say, you never get rid of your, your first, first gun. gun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had this Howa 243 and got my first seven point with it, shot a lot of does with it, um, really just started in the hunting aspect. And it wasn't until um, I started working for SIG that I really got into handgun stuff and carbine and um, SBRs and all the fun things. So it was something that was a little bit different than what I was used to. Um, but before all of that, I had um, started working at Grice Gun Shop out of Clearfield County. It's one of the largest destination stores of the state, and it's a wholesaler plus a retail front. Um, family owned, it's on its third generation right now, and I worked as the front cashier and started at the components counter. So powders, brass, uh, bullet projectiles, uh, sabots, all the muzzleloader stuff. So really got to learn all of that, um, all the pieces that kind of get into precision shooting. And worked my way up into the shotgun counter, rifle counter, handgun room, um, into the AR stuff. So I was there for seven years while I was going mm. to school um, at Clare University for diagnostic imaging. So I have my bachelor's in diagnostic imaging for ultrasound. Um, I have an associate's in biomedical sciences. Jeez. So was like a total nerd. That, that yeah. is like that two, two, two awesome. different yeah, spectrums. spectrums. Uh, two sides of the spectrum. But I, I finished med school-ish. Um, I mean, you feel like you're in med school. You can <laughs> diagnose as much as the doctors do, right? You're, the, you're their eyes and ears um, doing those live scans. And so after that, um, I couldn't land a position due to Obamacare. And a lot of things were changing in the health industry. They wanted students who were board certified already, had a year experience. And I was like, I, I just graduated, man. I did a nine month unpaid internship. You know, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to do what I can, even if it's per diem. And I just wasn't getting any opportunity, um, like feedback. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the gun shop. And so I started working full time at Grice's, you know, you're working every every day of the week, except maybe one, you know, and it's short staffed. So I'm the only gal on the floor and I'm running and gunning and doing all the things. And SIG came in and looked at that store as an elite dealer prospect. So they have their little shopping shops, right? So you go in and you get the full brand experience. You get those backlit uh, cases with the glass front, you get the flooring, you get the wall graphics, you get the, the true SIG experience. And so I was the Northeast visual regional merchandiser. I reported to Amy D. She was the channel marketing director. And there was four of us on the team at the time. So we each had a corner of the, of the country. Um, so I traveled, worked remote. That was my first remote position. And I'm like, this is my first like big girl job out of this <laughs> tiny little town. And I get to work from home and travel. Like, this isn't real life. Like, this is crazy. Um, so I, I did that. And after six months, um, they restructured the, the team and the positioning. And so I got bumped into social media coordinator for SIG. And at the time, Tom Taylor was like, hey, we would need you to relocate. And I was like, move from home? What? Like, nobody leaves Kerwinsville. Nobody gets out of here, like, alive. That's not a thing. And so I, I took the plunge. I had just adopted Legion, uh, my Doberman. And Which, so, real quick, you guys can't see on the video, but we'll make sure we share some photos. Because yes. I forgot to say we do have Christina and her amazing dog, Legion. Yes. Legion Romeo. Um, so yeah, he's a fawn Doberman. So he's that very silvery gray at the time. Beautiful. Um, and so I named him after the, the Legion series at SIG. Um, so now he's very Brown. He's very much, um, FDE instead, but it's totally fine. Um, so I moved to New Hampshire, uh, and upon moving there right away, I didn't know where to live. I didn't know friends. I knew coworkers by like really quick glance. I'm like, Oh, you're emailed. So that's your face. Like, got it. Um, didn't know the hot spots to live, didn't know the go-to places. And I lived, we lived in a hotel for a short time, um, for about four months. We were living in a hotel and SIG was kind enough to, you know, they did the relocation package thing and 
I found a house up in um, kind of the chimney portion of New Hampshire. It was on um, Three Ponds in Milton. And so it's up in the mountains, got the water, so I could go kayak every day after Beautiful. work. Go, t- go hiking with Legion, um, all four season states. So, you know, you get your, your winter time, you get your nice summers, your, your really pretty falls. And so we, we moved up there. And about probably seven to eight months after I was doing social media, I had met the director of the trade show team. And Sean had asked me, he's like, what, what do you think about joining trade shows? And I was like, that would be amazing because that's almost like customer facing, right? Yeah. Like coming back to the, the retail side of things, I get to show people guns. I get to have the conversation and build those relationships and have that engagement. And so I was like, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to do trade shows. I think that'd be fun. And it was a lot of hard work. I mean, I learned logistics, drayage, billing, payable accounts. Like I learned all the things in and out. Um, learning how to do the CAD lineup for the the outline of where what gun goes where. Like SIG is very very strategic when oh, it comes yeah. to their trade shows. Obviously, oh, yeah. we've all seen yeah. City SIG at Shot Show, right. you know. And so that team does wonderful work, and I learned a ton from them. Um, I had some great leadership there, and just took that in stride and really started thinking about like, what do I want to do at SIG? I want to make an impact here. Like, I'm surrounded by people who are making huge huge impacts in this industry, and Started spending more time at the academy and learning from um, a lot of the instructors there. You know, some precision rifle shooting, some handgun handling. Um, Is that like a perk of the job? You get to go to the SIG Academy? academy. You get to go and, and you have your employee discount and stuff. But I think I had more of a perk because at the time I was in between social media creation and um, trade shows. So it was like, okay, I need the product knowledge. I need to understand, you know, a little bit more about it. Right. I mean, I can do a bolt gun all day long, but you know, tell me the difference between a P320 and a 226. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's start really talking about things. Um, and then even get into the legacy of SIG, mm-hmm. right? Like, they were a German-made gun first. So um, learning the history of SIG, learning the history of the, the manufacturing and the materials used and the why behind it was just super cool. Yeah. And so I, I went in from trade shows um, and met a... Uh, product manager v- VP of the optics division at the Archery Trade Association show, which normally you wouldn't think a gun company is going to be at the archery show, but we have our optics division. So the range finders are there, the binos cool. are there, the spotting scopes, like all the fun things. All things that you had used like personally, prior, but yeah, pers- yeah like personally. you're hunting. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, I know how to scout. I know what yeah. binos I want. I know what spotting scope I need to go do my long distance shots. Like it was a lot of fun. So I, I met the VP there, um, Scott, and he was like, hey, I, I think you're in the wrong job like you love this stuff like you love to talk to people you like to hear the hunting stories you like to hear the competition stories like what are you doing in trade shows like man it's just fun like I get to travel I get to see all kinds of people and and meet people and just make those relationships and he's like I really think you should be in product management I was like I'm not an engineer (laughs) like that's not my thing like don't ask me to do math man that's not that's not what I want to do unless it's ballistic coefficients don't bother me um or burn rates or anything like that and he was like no I really think you should be in product management and I was like what does that look like? So you have to move to Oregon. And I was like, I just bought a house. I just bought a house, like on the water, in the mountains, in New Hampshire, by myself with my dog. Like I am living that single gal dream. And he's like, yeah, you'd have to move to Oregon. And so I I thought about it. And of course it was a big salary increase for me. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm 27. Like, this is huge. Like God has put an opportunity in front of me that how can I not walk away from it? And so I made the plunge. We moved out to Oregon. My mom drove across the country with me, despite her vertigo, despite her her scared. That's, you what, know. that's what moms and families do. That's right. Yes. Yeah, she totally, she had my back. And my dad's like, 
hey, kid, like, <laughs> yeah. have fun. I'll, I'll see you in the magazines. And, like, it was a joke, but, I mean, later in the year, I ended up being published in a magazine for my first pronghorn hunt because wow. of Sig Optics. And I was wow. like, this is insane. Like, my small town life, like, how does this happen? All those small little things. Yes. Steps yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, not a small, it's not a small thing to work for Sig. No. I mean, you're talking yeah. the number one mm-hmm. firearm well, manufacturer, like, I would say, in the world. Yeah. And not and not to put down, you know, ever like you know, all jobs are important within an organization. But you know, it's not like you were just doing, you know, kind of like behind the scenes admin work. Like you were in it, like yeah. so you were really involved in, mm-hmm. in the products mm-hmm. and, and with the academy and doing that stuff. So I think that's and it's a the big presence, deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like to be the social media coordinator at the time, and knowing that that team was fairly small. I mean, they were relying on a lot of freelance work and a lot of reputable editorial folks. And it's like, okay, I have a cell phone how do I make this look cool? And I mean, some of our pictures came out great on a cell phone um, and building, helping be a part of that following growth was mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, and that too was like back when social media was, was nothing. Nothing. Yeah. 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 Like that was like what, what year? 2017. 17. Yeah. yeah like there's the, the, the beginning stages yeah, of where, everything. Yeah. Like, wow, so did you even know like what you were doing? I had no uh, idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I was told in my interview, like, well, you're young. You'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, I don't know what analytics are. There wasn't a degree for Instagram and social media marketing managers back back then. That's what everyone thought is like young people knew social media. So if you're young, then you must know how to do this. Yes. Like, what's a hashtag, Christina? I'm like, that's the pound sign. The pound sign on the phone. I'm like, for all you youngsters. Yeah. I'm like, "Uh, I'm young, but I'm not like that young. Like, okay, we'll figure it out. But yeah, we really started learning, you know, what was social media used as for a tool and it, it got that growth and that expansion of like, hey, if I tagged so and so or shouted them out, like reposting. That's when you could grow them yes. on social. Yeah. That that's before everyone algorithms. was getting yeah. Yeah, <laughs> algorithms and shadow banning and um, censorship, like censorship. And the, I, like, I feel like people that listen to this podcast like don't aren't even going to know what we're talking no. about. Because that was back when like if you did tag a brand like Sig or like any brand and you saw that they liked your photo, you're like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, and that your engagement was gonna. You yep. could grow your social media accounts so quickly, yes. working with influencers mm-hmm. and tagging people, and you know. And that was before influencers were like influence, I'm like an a influencer. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it was. It was. Hey, man, I just like doing what I do. Yeah. You know, they they were real people back then. Yep. Uh, the majority of them, anyway. Um, but yeah, it was just something fun to learn, and so through the visual merchandising role and being that customer engaging face and like the brand presence and like you got the look tone feel kind of thing. I really started to develop in my head and in like my little black book of like, this is my life. Um, just all, all these different skill sets. And so when I got to optics, I was like, man, it's really cool to help build product, but I want to do more than that. Like I really want to just start helping people feel confident in the firearms realm. If they, if all they've ever done is hunting, like I did, you Hmm. know, like how do you get, you know, more confidence in saying like, yeah, I want to go pick up a handgun today. Like the self-defense space, you mean? Like the self-defense space and also just like, just having knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like it's just good to know things, right? Like how to change the oil in your truck. Like I'm not a mechanic, but I should know how to do that. (laughs) I feel like those are basic things. Like I talk, like Ben and I talk about this all the time. It's like, I know that there's a reason and there's a curriculum in, in elementary school and high school, but there are just some basic things that I feel like need to be happening that they need to be teaching you, like, yeah. real-life skills. Yeah. Taxes well, that's shot. would yeah. be great. <laughs> Taxes would be great. Taxes. How to start a business would be great. Yeah, like, those types of Changing things that tire. I think are just we had critical. shop. We had shop. Mm-hmm. You probably we had, had we shop. We had wood yeah. shop. We had metal shop. I don't even know that they still... I don't no. know if they have that I kind of stuff in school I think a lot of those types of programs anymore. get cut because of funding yeah. and money. But, yeah, like, the, like, screw, like, the gym class. Like, because the uh, gym class... 
Don't screw the gym class. I love the gym class. It's going to cut my music classes and gym classes, too. No, but, like, I don't need to be playing volleyball during gym. You know what I mean? Let's, like, have, like, something... Better life to, to learn life skills. Yeah. Give me a life skills yeah. course. Well, we yeah. had we had a home ec class, yes. home economics. So mm-hmm. we learned how to balance a checkbook. Oh. And then we learned how to do, like, reverse stitching to make pillowcases. And, like, why do I need to do this? My grandma teaches me this. Like, but not everybody has that, right. that right. small family vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it would have been more helpful for them to teach us something, you know, life forward thinking. But, again, they didn't. So when you, when you pick it up in the job realm, yeah. even though it's not your background. I mean, I was a medical student. I can tell you, you know carcinomas i can tell you lipomas i can tell you assist from you know an actual like growth that's like oh it's just it's just fibrous it's fine um you know i can tell you all those things and even now saying that like wow i remember those Um, i just pulled out my my old uh degree yes um but it was fun just to see like okay now i'm learning what impact is and engagement is on social media i'm learning what trade shows do for the business what is your roi what does that even Mm -hmm. mean you know and so just having good mentors and good leadership throughout that time at sig was a huge step for me to say okay let's take a step back i've been in this optics position for a year and i really do think like i'm meant to do more Mm -hmm. like i know that god has put a purpose in my life to be in this position instead of sitting in a dark room with bad news or really happy news you know Mm -hmm. it could go either way and so i was like right well i stepped away from sig and I went to a smaller company out on the West Coast, um, ZevTech, Zev Technologies. So Zev has the OZ9. Um, they have a ton of different modularity aspects coming through right now. And so that was a smaller company, and I worked for Alec and um, had some really good leadership there. Um, transitioned from that position into soft goods. I went to Danner Lacrosse and CC Filson for a while, um, thinking, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to get out of the gun industry for a little bit because everything was kind of declining. You know, Obama's out of office now and, like, sales aren't really happening because everyone's safe everyone feels secure so when you know fear drives sales Mm -hmm. so that was a big thing in the industry that i learned i'm like yeah people aren't scared they're not going to spend their money so they're they're living life they're doing their own thing yep um so from there i went um like i said cc filson daniel lacrosse doing some customer engagement customer service stuff and visual merchandising on the side in the retail stores down in portland oregon which was a whole eye-opening experience from central Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. Oh, I'm, I'm like, sure. What's a riot? That's like that's a thing. Because you moved. When did when when did you go to Portland? Like in what year in was that? 2018. Okay. Yeah. So very quickly, um, it wasn't long after I bought my house. I'm like, okay, it's only been like eight months. And this you had Legion at this time, yep, right? Yeah. So Legion and I are learning how to live on the road so and just up and go. Wow. I'm curious. I know I want to talk about like what led you to, to eventually get Legion. Cause I think that's, that's important. That's very important. I think it's one of the things that I didn't, I didn't know. And it's such a, it's a, I don't want to say crazy. It's a, it's, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting path that where, that how you got there, because I think most people wouldn't have ended up with a service dog. Right. So can you kind of, would you mind sharing a little yeah, bit about, I, yeah, I about that. kind of what led into that? Yeah. Um, when I was 16, there was an incident that had happened. Um, I had been date raped. And at that time, you know, that's that's your vulnerability age, right? Especially when you're a much smaller girl than most of the girls in your high school and you're the tomboy and you're not that it girl, right? Like, let's think of mean girls kind of thing. Um, so I got invited out to a party and I went um, and I was not as vigilant as I should have been. And I got drugged, I got drunk, um, and taken advantage of. And when I woke up the next morning, you're not sure where you're at. And to be in the state that I was in was very scary. And it was very much like, 
all of my security and confidence that I ever had is now ripped away from me. And now my innocence has been ripped away from me. And I can see that in the state that I'm in. Um, so after that, I had talked to my parents, told them what happened. Um, we went through all, all the things. And it always just kind of stuck with me that you're never safe unless you know you're safe. Put yourself in a safe position. Hmm. Be more cognizant of what you're doing with yourself. Um, and so that was always just something that was hard for me. And so looking for that uh, validation to come back into life of like, I am worthy. I, I, I made a mistake or this happened and it wasn't because I asked it to happen, but it just happened. How um, did you get to that point of that mindset of realization yeah. of being able to kind of come back from being like, yes, I need to be able to start putting one step in front of the other? Yeah, I think it was um, going to the hospital then afterwards and talking to a doctor and then they brought in, you know, a counselor like, hey, there's lots of women that have gone through this and bounced back and they're courageous and they're strong and they're empowering. You know, you don't have to let this define you. And that just kind of hit me at 16. I'm like, this doesn't have to define who I am. Hmm. Like sexual assault is a big deal and not a lot of people want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they just want to bury it like that happened and I'm moving on and I'm like, I'm okay. Like that, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm not pregnant. I don't have an STD. Like I'm okay. It's like, but you're not. You have a mental scar there. You have a mental scar and an awareness on your heart that something was taken from you and you were left abandoned. I was left for like, I don't care what happens to you. I got what I wanted and I had my fun and who else, you know, saw it or didn't see it. You know, I was completely blacked out. I don't remember a lot of it. Um, and that's the other scary part is like when you start to piece things together and you're like, I can't believe I couldn't stop them. Right. You know, you feel completely de defenseless and that has something that has always struggled with me. So being alone was really hard for a while. And then feeling, you know, outcasted in a small town because world travels fast. And so it was kind of like a talk of a town for a while. And it just got really, really hard. And I just kind of closed up. Even though I had this mindset, like, I don't have to let this define me. Um, I fell into use of marijuana. I became a pothead because I didn't know what else to do. When I got caught doing that and my parents were like, you can't do that. Like, that's not legal. Um, I started going into self-harm. So I was a cutter. I was self-starving. I was, you know, feeling like I had no control of anything other than myself. And I was hurting myself because I was already hurting. And so going to therapy, talking to therapists, talking to other girls and women who have gone through this and even some men, it was like, they're doing okay carrying this burden I should be able to carry this burden. I should be able to get through this and carry my weight. Um, and since then, that mindset has changed into something completely different. But I think over time, it just helped grow me into a woman who could look at that and say, it happened. I'm okay now. And I'm in control of my awareness, you know? And that's something I think that concealed carry people need to think about, women need to think about if they want to get into self-defense or self-awareness or staying vigilant. Um, it, it's just something that gets there. And so... After going through all the therapy sessions and stuff and talking to people, I was just like, you know what? I don't I don't want to be put on prescriptions, right? Like, that's the big part is they start pushing antidepressants mm. and anti-anxiety drugs. So were they giving you these things? Were you taking some of these we drugs that are prescribing? We had tried it for a while, and I started having really big body image issues because a lot of those things make you, one, super drowsy, super mm -hmm. sleepy. And so you just feel like you're in a fog all the time, and you just can't focus. And I'm like, this isn't helping me at mm. school. This isn't helping me. You know, I'm in my senior year now. Like... I want to feel confident. I want to feel like the pretty girl. I want to feel like I'm, you know, wanted here and not just by a dude, but like friends. Like mm -hmm. I want my friends to like who I am. And I just felt blah, like I just felt gross. And part of that was the prescriptions. And part of that was 
self-hate, you know, like I just, I still was fighting this, like, I know it doesn't have to define me, but why do I feel like it's defining me? Um, and high school sucks. High school is not a fun place to be when something like that Mm -hmm. happens. And so I wanted to be able to graduate move on to college and have a clean slate. And so I started really looking into other methodologies of how do you take care of this hurt? How do you just get it out and work through it? And I stumbled upon a couple articles of cognitive cognitive therapy. So just journaling, writing it out, identify what the issue is, identify a pathway to work through it, forgive yourself, forgive whatever, and just move on. Um, And I found a really cool therapist. Um, He was amazing. And he really studied with me on talking through points and executing a plan of like, okay, well, how does that make you feel? And how do you want to like address it? How do you want to move forward? And so that led to talking to a girlfriend who had a service canine. She's like, you need a dog. You need a dog that's going to help you build your confidence because this is a two-way street. It is a communication line. It is something that is going to help you have another set of eyes, but also build your confidence and trust in another creature that can't talk to you. It's all instinctive. It's all going to be something that is truly pure. And I was like, Jen, I've never heard anyone say something like that. Like that aspect, that perspective. It was huge. And so I really started looking into, you know, now at this time, I'm... 26, 25, 26. I was like, I think I, I really want to move towards a dog. I don't want... Um, so it's like 10, like a nine, yeah. 10 year process. And, and of- it was because I personally physically wasn't changing any differently. I'm a very petite, small person. My my genetics aren't like, okay, now you're going to be this big, vivacious right. chick. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, I'm still the little tiny, like tomboy looking girl. And did, did that play a part in continuing to feel like vulnerable? So, oh yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. Because I mean, you look at... Think about the jobs I'm in now, social media, I'm seeing all these gun bunny aspect, really pretty vivacious women. And it's like, I don't look like that. I'm never going to be those people. So like the self-confidence issues just kept growing, even though I was trying to move forward mentally and and spiritually in a way that it was like, that doesn't have to define me either. I don't have to look like those girls. Like I don't, I should be me. I should Mm -hmm. be confident Mm -hmm. in myself. And so hearing her talk about, my friend had talking about um, having a service dog. I was like, okay. This is the move. Like, I love dogs. We had dogs when I was growing up. I also like the ability to achieve goals. And that's what this whole relationship is about is we're going to teach you something to move towards a goal. You give one command. That's it. There is no step and repeat of like sit, sit, sit. It's no sit. If, if the animal doesn't do the job, fooey that sit. <laughs> like there, there is a, a very big affirmation of a correction with an audible or non-audible and then it's do the task if the task still isn't completed then you utilize your tool set right so you have your herm springer prong collars you have a hip lead you have a flat collar you have an e-collar you start using all these tools to assess for what a correction should be properly give the correction make the move happen so how did you go about to learn all of that stuff that yeah. you needed to learn you decided yeah, i'm like does this work on kids Can this <laughs> one, uh, give like, one one command one word command and it happens yeah because you you end up fine you end up finding deciding that you're going to move forward and get legion yep and then you adopt him or yep so whatever. i found a breeder out in missouri um her name's Roxanne, and she has dobermans of all colors um all how do you settle on a doberman so my friend jenny she had two dobes and they were phenomenal dogs um and they work well as a pack. And so I'm like, okay, maybe someday I'll have two. Like, who knows? I have no idea where I'm going in my sure. life. Like, I'm single, so I'm just going to chase the job and chase whatever opportunities come. 
Um, and so learning more about, you know, how does life work with a service canine? Like, what does that look like? Who do you go to? Like what, what registrations are real? What's versus, you know, the internet, like, yeah, just give me your money. So you get this vest. Right. It's like, well, you can buy the vest on Amazon, man. <laughs> so, um, the, it was just learning how to do it properly and learning how to do it so that I wasn't taking advantage of other people's privileges. Right. Because service canine can mean anything. It, it could be for an, an allergy. It could be for epilepsy. It could be for diabetes. It could be for mobility. It could be for stability. It could be for anything. And so the beauty of that was just doing more research. You have to just push yourself. If you're going to make that commitment, that's a living thing. It's not like, okay, yeah, I got this, this wheelchair now. It's no, I have a living creature that I have to take responsibility for and a liability. And so her and I had talked about it. I met this breeder. Um, she drove Legion to Pennsylvania with another litter pup. Um, and she had told me, she's like, the dog's going to pick you. And I was like, how does that work? She's like, just go about yourself. Trust the process. <laughs> just go about yourself. I mean, these pups are eight weeks old. And so they're in a new environment. They've been in a car for how many days? Like, I'm like, how's this thing actually going to know what I'm doing? And the female was really mouthy and chattery and just kind of biting and destructing around like my little house. And I'm like, okay. I really hope that one doesn't pick me. <laughs> um, and then Legion would just kind of follow me around and look up at me. And then if I stood at the counter, he'd plop down and mm. lay down at my feet. And so I'd and stand she there. Only, she only was raising um, Dobermans. Dobermans for wow. service? or no, just just in okay. general. But okay. um, her the parents of each one, so she has four. So she has, she has two studs and two females. Um, and so depending on their background, she's like, this litter is going to be more of this direction. Um, so Roxanne was phenomenal with that. And I told her, so look, I'm I'm looking for a service dog. I want a dog that's going to be in tune with me because we've got to work together Mm -hmm. and all the research I'm doing. I want something like that. And she's like, okay, we'll see what we get. And so like after the, the litter was done and born, she was like, okay, we're going to come out to the the East coast because she does all of her drops regionally um to make sure that you know everyone's getting something and that she's not getting crossbred dogs so that's always good and she keeps track with everybody she is phenomenal like she has a little facebook group for like each litter she's like hey how's legion happy birthday she's so cute she's amazing so he follows me around the house and just keeps plopping at my feet or getting between my legs and like looking up at me or he'll turn. (laughs) when the plant falls over it's because of legion it's because of legion um or he would face the doorway. <laughs> He's me. like, are you guys talking about me? Yes, we're talking about you. Or he would face the opposite direction of me. So if I'm facing the window, he's facing the door. Wow. And I'm like, this is like a six o'clock presence. Like that's wow. pretty cool. And so. He really did like He really, you. like we just were on a wavelength of like, God, this is my, this is my heaven sent. Like this is my oh. outlet. And so after like eight hours and she hung out and everything, she's like, all right. She's like obviously you've been picked and I'm like okay cool she's like so here's all his paperwork here's all his vaccines and stuff like his first time shots and everything and she rolls out and goes to deliver the the female to the next family and I just kind of sat there and I was like legion your name is legion and it was I mean I had the idea in my head of like naming after gun or something so I'm like yeah he's gonna be in the gun world like he should have a really cool name um but it's because it's it's a a vast host. It's a multitude of things. And it's like, not only are you going to be my dog, you're going to be my eyes. You're going to be my ears. You're going to be my partner in crime. You're going to be there for me when I need you. And I'm going to be here for you when you need me. And that has been 100% the case. And And in order to get to that point though, like that's not an overnight thing. No. You, you know, he may pick you, but then all of a sudden there's a 
there's an effort and and training that has to, I mm-hmm. imagine, has to go into yep. getting him to that point where you can rely on him like that. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And so we had started about 16 weeks. We really started the basic obedience of like sit, stay, you know, lay down, go to your bed, go to your kennel, like that, like the, the nuanced things. Mm-hmm. Is that normal for the owner to do all of the training with the service dog or do some people like send it off to a program? There's or? lots of, lots of options there. There's lots of, um, places that I'll take like an academy, right. And they'll, they'll take your dog for, you know, however many weeks you'll pay all that money and they'll, they'll go learn with a trainer. The philosophy that I had started learning online was a train the trainer program. So work with someone who has a canine can demo the behavior for you and the correction and the aspect of how to get through all of that. And then you do it and let them guide you through the performance that you're seeing from their dog and their interaction, as long as you can observe that in your own. Mm. And take responsibility, right? Like, don't be, don't be like, well, my dog's just not listening. It, it depends on your attitude too, man. Like, you got to have that ownership. Own your 1% of the 100%. Like, let's go. And so 16 weeks, we started doing, like, the basic obedience stuff. And I had just done that on my own. I was like, okay, internet. Like, let's yeah, Google right. how do you get your dog to sit. Okay, hold the treat above his head. Cool. Um, but then I started reading more about, hey, treat reward is not always a good thing because hmm. then they look to it all the time. And some dogs are driven more by affection versus food. Legion got to a point where it's like, affection, I don't want the treat. Like, unless it's like a sirloin steak, like, no, not <laughs> happening. And so we we got with a trainer in New Hampshire. Once we had moved up there and I got settled in, you know, the hotel living area. And then once we got the house, um, I found a trainer out there, uh, Chad, and we started working with him. Um, I'm not sure if he's still in business. We haven't kept in touch, but he started really doing like the agility kind of things like, okay, here, we're going to do like an up on the table thing. And I want you to make him lay down and I want you to do this. And so that was my first impression of, you know, high level obedience kind of stuff. Um, and we did that for a few months and it was, it was going well. And he's like, okay, when he hits about a year old, we'll really start thinking about like the in-training process for service canine. So at this point, like he's not going to work with me. He's still a puppy. So he's kenneled at home during the day and that's the six to eight hour, you know, time. And then I would go over and let him out at lunch and go walk him and like play with him and everything. Um, when we moved to Oregon, I panicked. I was like, I just lost my trainer. What am I going to do? How are we going to get this done? Like now I have this big dog and I'm going to be stuck with him like in a kennel all the time. And I just felt awful. And I kind of had that like, oh man, I feel guilty for getting him now. And it's like, is this ever going to work out for what my needs were in the initial process Hmm. of like, build your confidence, Christina. Was that happening? Were you feeling that change happening? Oh yeah. I was feeling super, not, not regretting getting him because I knew default mom and dad want a dog so bad. And like my mom is obsessed with him and so is my dad. He won't tell you that, but like that's his little buddy. And so I knew like if I had a fallback, it's not like he was going to go to a puppy mill or anything yeah. like that. Like he was going to go to a home where he could be loved and have land and run and, and be a pet. But that wasn't the goal. And I was like, okay, you don't get to bail. We'll figure this out. We're, we're going to figure this out because I'm not going to abandon you because I know what abandonment feels like now. And I live with that every day. I know what it feels like to be taken advantage of. I know what it feels like to have your initial life taken from you, right? Like a gift of your life, like something that's so precious and it got ripped away from Mm -hmm. you and you had no choice. Like, I'm not going to do that to him. And so it really started to become this very, uh, sentimental, symbolic kind of thing for me. And I started just journaling more and more about it. And I was like, okay, then I need to find an actual group of people to go work with. 
And so upon moving out to Oregon, I met this family um, and they were like, hey, we have this canine trainer that we go to. Um, and with his permission, he already told me Huffman Canine Obedience is out in Canby, Oregon, and they do multi-purpose canine training. And so Jensen is the leader out there. It's his own, his own business. And he's got a phenomenal team of people. And they really do take the time to assess what your goals are based on their curriculum. How can they how can they marry the two up, right? And so Jensen really started teaching me the high-level basic obedience of um, kind of like agility work. So crossing ladders, crossing wooden beams, like what weird things might he and I encounter in our life that are applicable here? Even making your dog sit on a, a Home Depot bucket upside down, like you can get there. You can make your dog stand on one soup can too with all four paws. Like we've gone through, we, yeah, we've gone through, I'll show you, um, his Instagram and stuff like it's it's amazing to see and document through your growth process, right? Because all these things, like I know, like I'm I'm going going to make an assumption here that in your everyday life, Legion doesn't need to be standing four paws on a soup can. <laughs> However, <laughs> those those that type of training and those type of skills that they're building are to then build his confidence in terms of the different places as a service canine he's going to need to go. Absolutely, and it's it's that trust in. I know you can do it because mm -hmm. I'm putting you there and you have to trust me that I know you're going to do it. You're not going to fail. And so crossing ladders, crossing railroad ties, crossing, uh, um, cattle. What's the things that's in the ground out here? Um, I, Amy <laughs> things in the ground. So out like, whenever you have like, it's all those bars across like the, like a ravine Reaper? or something. No, no. Anyway, it's like, know. if they're on farms, I forget. Okay. What's It'll come back to me. Um, but usually, like, that's a weird texture, right? Sure. And so dogs are like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Like, their feet are so much more hyper-vigilant mm -hmm. um, or uh, hyper-focused than ours. And so escalators, um, elevators, like, anything that's, mm. like, our normal daily life. And, like, he's got to be able to, to do that. to learn to adapt. And so the first time he ever got an escalator, it was foot front paws out first and my back legs are behind me. I'm like, no, man, let's go. Like, you got to get on here. And he's oh. looking at me like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm like, hey, fooey that. Let's go. And he knows, like, I'm going to get shocked or strung up or something if I don't listen. So, like, he just looks at me and, like, pulls his feet and I'm like, see, it's not that bad. And we would get on the escalator 16 more times until he's like... That is okay, mom. Determination. Like, yes. Well, and you you have to because you have to hold them accountable, just like you have to hold yourself accountable, right? Like if you if you fail once, get up and do it again, um, and just keep moving forward. Like you always have to be going forward. And so we would do the escalator thing. We would do elevators. We would do hot pavement to water, like crossing a creek. He'd be like, I don't want to get wet. I hate getting wet. Like he just looks at me and it's an attitude. And I'm like, we are so the same person. Like we are the same entity. This is crazy. Um, and so the other thing is getting into really crowded spaces, airports, airplanes, elevators. Because you fly with him, right? Yep. He flies with me, tucks his butt under the seat in front of us and his head's in my lap. And everyone who sees it, they're like, how does he do that? And like, it's magic. I promise. Um, I think that's what people don't realize though. And I think that's what was so impressive. Like when you were telling me, I had no, I like, mm. I know, like we've had John Devine on, yeah. um, and he, and he trains, he trains the dog soon. We know there's a lot of work. We've seen all the videos, but I feel like that's, I think talking to John and seeing some of our, our friends who are, I want to say like our operator friends who have these types of dogs, mm -hmm. you know, they're, I've never seen it from a more of a personal, like yeah. friend using it as like a real true, like service canine where it has mm -hmm. to really adapt to their lifestyle versus I feel like some of our friends, like straight security, uh -huh. you know? 
Yeah, the protection aspect is another portion of it, right? So what, what Huffman teaches is a multi-purpose canine division. So there's your basic pet obedience, right? Like you just want a good disciplined dog, man. Like if I yeah, go out in the yard and I'm going to mow the lawn, I want you to be able to just stay where I place you. Um, and so those are the commands. So, so Jensen really does teach a one command process. It's like, hey, plots, good plots, seats, good seats. Like you have to give that good affirmation at the end of it and know that your tone matters uh, 100%. And then, you know, for a very quick audible correction, it's a, hey, fooey that or hey, no, whatever your, your, your word is, right? And staying consistent in that because the consistency is what's going to build your confidence just like anything else in life. Mm-hmm. The more consistent you are with it, the more confident you're going to be, especially when you're executing the goal, right? So the achievement is there. And we would go to antique shops. I mean, you would think bull in a china shop. He is the most graceful thing. I've watched him do a 360 turn and not bump anything. Um, wow. Like he's just, he's become this agile creature where he just knows like, I got to follow my mom. I just got to follow her. Like, that's my person. That's my teammate. We just got to get through it. Um, and we started incorporating, you know, sound inoculation on range. So at a puppy age, I was taking him to the shotgun range me every Thursday night and I'd shoot shotgun while he would just sit in the truck with the air on. And I'm like, hey, man, get used to this. This is gunfire. Like, this is our life. This is what I do. And so we started with shotgun. That's so weird to me because I think it's like, I, I think of uh, like a child, like when you're going to take them somewhere, you're going to expose them to something new, you can explain to them and they can kind of talk back or like repeat mm-hmm. back to you like okay yeah whatever but like with a dog it's just like are you hearing me do you yeah. like do you get do you what understand? i'm saying mm-hmm. like this is going to be super loud yep. yeah so we started like that and then once i got out to oregon we started right beside each other uh shooting a 22 let the gun go off hear that crack and he would look at me i'm like good good wait like you just have to give them that that confidence that you're fine and as long as I'm fine, you're fine. Mm-hmm. When he starts to pick up on true malice intent or true danger, we have we have a, a non-audible like look of like, hey, did you see that? Are you like, are you paying attention to me? Because as much as he's a head on a swivel, I'm a head on a swivel. So but- then that leads me to another thing I wanted you to share, if you don't mind, is that story. I think this is kind of goes back to you being in Portland. Was that in, was that yeah. in Portland? Mm-hmm. Because like that's to me, that's an amazing just story of yeah of all the work that you've put in with mm-hmm. legion and what he and really one of the purposes of why you've got him oh yeah um so yeah so to go over what he what he does for me aside from like the confidence building right and the relationship that we have it is a sign of protection you could say um an awareness of a self-defense mode and so Jensen and I had really talked about, you know, like I live alone, I travel alone, I have a lot of firearms, I have a lot of guns, I have a lot of nice things, and I'm living in an area where there's now riots happening and break-ins and things like that. And not that I didn't feel safe in my own environment, but it was like, you never know, mm-hmm. you have no idea, like you should always just be readiness as a choice. And so Jensen's like, yeah, let's let's start working on, you know, some home defense things. How, like I had taken classes on how to clear a room, I had, I had done all those things, and by no means am I saying I'm efficient or like 100% operator, because I'm not, but I know enough that I am confident to say, I know how to get to my gun, I know how to load my firearm, and I know how to make ready, and I know that I can t- if I have to take a target, I'll take a target. It's not the goal. The goal is right. definitely find cover, get out, and get help. Um, so with Legion, normally he sleeps in his kennel, doors open, especially like if I have the space in my bedroom, which at the time I did. He has a huge, extra, extra large Taj Mahal of a freaking kennel. Um, <laughs> and he has it door open, and he knows like, hey, place, it's bedtime, knock it out. Um, if I want him to sleep with me, let's say I'm having like a really bad day. I am just down and out of like, God, nothing is working out for me. Like I'm super, super sad. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 
having a hard time breathing because my thing is I get so stressed out or so panicky, I'll, I'll hold my breath till I pass out. So it's a medical alert at that point. Um, and so if I invite him into the bed, it's for pressure pointing of like rhythmic breathing and stuff. And that's something that we had worked on with another specialist. And that was just amazing to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to what Emily's talking about. So I put Legion in the kennel for the night. Um, and of course, beside my beds, they're in a blackout. Nine <laughs> shotgun. Like I've got, I've got the, the little armory beside me. And, um, it was probably 4 a.m. 4 a.m. ish. And I don't hear anything. But Legion's up, and I'm like, okay, he's just shifting. He's doing whatever he needs to in his kennel. And all of a sudden, he's at my bedside, and he's not, like, nosing me, like, Mom, get up. And he's looking at his gun, or looking at my gun, looking at me, looking at the gun, looking at me, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, what the heck? So I grab my gun, make ready, and my kitchen light comes on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is for real. Like, this is a real thing. So he already has his prong collar on. He sleeps with it on all the time. And so I grab my hip lead and it's only a, a 12 inch lead. And I grab him like door, get to the door. And he's just looking at it. And I'm like, Legion, send. And I just open that door and it's the whole time. And those dudes just go out the front door and Legion's gone. Like follow through, man, follow through. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, phone, 911, Legion's call button. I'm hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. I'm like, he doesn't have his e-collar on. He's got his prong collar. And so I'm just waiting and I'm like, Foos, 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 Legion, Foos. And I'm just calling him back, calling him back. And he comes back and he's like, man, that was fun. Like he's just looking at me like, oh shit. And so it's a, it's a gated entry and everything. And so they eventually, they, they caught the dudes. They didn't get anything. I mean, some damage, but you know, it's like, how does that happen? And how do you get to a point where it's like, I had a recall of my dog. He pursued. I was ready. We were ready. That's a confidence builder, man. Yeah. Like that sucked. Trust me, that sucked. Sure. But it very quickly was like, my teammate didn't bail and I didn't bail on him. I didn't panic and freak out and have a, a panic attack mm-hmm. and pass out. We we made ready. And so I um I had reached out to a lot of the trainers and stuff. I'm like, hey, I just want to thank you for working with me so many hours of the day, constantly keeping me on you know, be on your toes, be ready. And like Jensen has a full blown facility where they, they'll make up a room for you. And like, wow. it's, it's a apartment and it's guy. In when a you bike think suit. that goes back to the dedication that you're putting into mm-hmm. Legion mm-hmm. Um, and also the time and money, cause it's not, I, yeah. I know it's not cheap to give him the type of training that he needs so that he can where you needed him at that moment, he did exactly what yeah. you what you yeah. needed him to do, and I think that and silently, like, exactly. It, it's yeah. I think I think that is what was impressive to me is that I think when you hear you know we our previous guest Eddie talked about you know getting a dog for home home security, and you know most of that, and when people do get dogs who are, I want to say that are, I don't want to say like not in our industry, but just get dogs because I think just for home security, it's mm-hmm. the alert factor of the barking, mm-hmm. whereas. Yeah. You guys have trained and learned that, like, he was able to get your attention, mm-hmm. tell you to get your gun mm-hmm. without w- without making a peep. And yeah. the people that who intruded had had no freaking idea until Legion was was after him. That's yeah. just, I think that's... Yeah, after um, I, I think, you open that door, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many amazing aspects to your story. And I have no doubt that people in our audience are going to, like, just... Their minds are going to be blown. So can you, before we wrap up, can you just tell them where do they start? If, if this is something that maybe could help them, where do they start their research process? I would say you need to look at your state regulations first. Um, so learning what, what your 
rights are and then going into the ADA, right? So you go on to ADA and you start learning about what the regulations are and, you know, talk to your doctor, talk, whether it's a psychologist or your family doctor or whoever, start asking the questions of like, hey, I don't want to be on prescription drugs. This isn't helping. If it's not truly helping you, um, not saying everybody's meant to have a dog. That is a huge responsibility, man. Yeah. And like we've moved eight times. I'm not giving him up. I'm going to figure it out. And if I can do it, anybody else can do it, as long as you have that dedication to that animal. Like, this is a full lifetime commitment. This is a living creature. And he's five years old now. So that's been a long process and a long road. So You guys accomplished a lot in five years. With You're telling the story, and I'm thinking that he's much older, but Mm -hmm. you guys accomplished a lot. But I think it's, you know, that dedication, just like with anything in your life, if you're going to make it a part of your lifestyle, you you have to have the Mm follow-through and the dedication, just like with everything. So we really appreciate you coming on today. Thank this you so was much for sharing all of that mind blowing. I mean, it's it's just amazing. So it's thank you for sharing that story with us and, and how you overcame it and and just finding help in unexpected places was right. amazing. Absolutely. So. And just making sure you check out like this is the number one thing. Vet your trainers. Vet really reliable um, trainers because there's a lot of people out there that just kind of want to take your money. And like, I've met those folks. So like really go out and see what your trainers and the training groups are doing. How active Mm -hmm. are they in their own environment and how reputable are they? Like finding a firearm trainer. I mean, anyone can throw up, you know, trainer on there and yeah. Just because they were previous SWAT or previous ranger or previous whatever. Like that's cool, man. Can you talk to people? Can -hmm. you really delegate and be personable and really understand people's like malfunctions or the way they manipulate a firearm and like make them comfortable like that's something you and I have talked Mm -hmm. about a lot so yeah it's like with anything you just need to find vetting your sources that's a huge part of it well we do thank you so much for joining us today hope you guys enjoyed that just real quick so if people want to follow you or wonderful legion where can they do that uh instagram it's gun underscore gal underscore cr or life of legion all one word can we see him on a soup can right now on the no on on the instagram page (laughs) you can see what we're talking about yes wonderful well we Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode today and we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest thank you guys for tuning in not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexa Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girls, Alexa Athletica LLC, and Stami Tactical LLC cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared.